Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. The scripture reading for today is Psalm 70, and the text will be on screen as I read. Hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May those who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, turn back because of their shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. This is God's word. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Please be seated. Well, good morning, church. Uh, first thing I would like to say, you, you hit that scripture reading right out of the park. That was amazing. He was talking to me about that verse, the aha verse, and like, how do you read it? Uh, you could just read it uh, like a normal sentence, or I guess the way I put it is like, just say that you're about to beat somebody in chess and you want to rub it in a little bit, and, that, and he went with it, man. That's how I, that's, if I play chess against you, which I'm terrible at, I try to avoid it, that's probably what I would hear. I'm Brian. If you're new, if you're visiting, I'm the pastor here at Trinity City Church. Thanks for gathering here. Thanks for the many people at home uh, that are tuning in through the live stream. Uh, I know many of our uh, folks and families from our church are enjoying Labor Day weekend at lakes and with family as we're kind of squeezing out that last bit of summer. For, for those of you that are tuning in or here, welcome. It's good to see you. A couple announcements. Uh, we're wrapping up Summer in the Psalms. Um, again, if you're new, we do this every summer that we do 10 psalms, and so Psalm 70 is the last one for the summer. We'll be wrapping it up. I'll be using Psalm 70 to uh, uh, take a bit of a different approach with this sermon where I want to talk about the ministry year ahead. Our ministry year follows the academic calendar. Uh, so as we look ahead, what are some of our goals? What are some of the challenges that we're looking at as a church? I want to use uh, Psalm 70 as a launching point to talk about that, the theme for the next year, and so on. Next week, we start a new sermon series called A Wonderful Life. And uh, the point of that sermon series really is the, uh, to give you a, a background on the theology that drives this church, the framework that makes this church uh, kind of tick and the way we approach ministry is really based on this theology. It's going to be 10 weeks. It's going to bring us to uh, the season of Advent. I'm really excited about this uh, sermon series because it really is the, the stuff that my heart dwells on every single day about the ways of God, what he's calling us to as a church and so on. And I'm excited to bring you in on this. One person asked if this is just a code uh, kind of phrase, a wonderful life, for basically a sermon on doctrine and systematic theology, uh, which, uh, uh, which kind of is, but it's a little bit different than that. It, it's, it's, it's more than just talking about like doctrines like a revelation and a soteriology, which is the, the study of salvation and so on. It's, it, it does dabble in those things, but one of the things I'm hoping to show you through a distinctively Christian doctrinal approach to things is how it's incredibly relevant for what you're dealing with right now. It's incredibly effective in uh, reaching those outside of the church and their hopes and their aspirations and their struggles. And I want to show you how effective 
a particular like theological approach is to reaching your campuses, reaching your neighbors, reaching your city, and reaching the world for the cause of Jesus Christ. So it's all of that. So I'm hoping to uh, maybe uh, approach this in a way that gives you kind of a, a, a refreshing look at uh, Christian doctrine. So that's a wonderful life that's, uh, that will start next week. Let's go ahead and pray and dive into Psalm 70 and the theme ahead for our ministry year. Let's pray. Almighty and gracious Father, the true understanding of your holy word helps us to grow in the fullness of salvation you freely offer us in Christ. So give us all that kind of heart, a heart that's free from burdens of this present moment, a heart that can hear and grasp your holy word with all diligence and faith, that we may rightly understand your gracious will, cherish it, and live by it with all earnestness to the praise and honor of your holy name. And it's through Jesus Christ our Lord that we pray. Amen. How did you imagine the fall of 2021 to look like? Last fall, as you were thinking ahead of it, a year from now, what did you picture that your classes were going to look like, your academic schedule, your work, neighborhood life? What did you picture? And if you're like me, not quite this. I had an optimistic view that essentially everything was going to be completely back to normal, and I was reminded uh, just yesterday with my family in a very tangible way how it's not. Uh, last year, the State Fair did not happen. They, they, they canceled the State Fair. To my knowledge, that's the only second time that they've done it in their history. And they offered, uh, that December, discounted tickets for uh, this, this year, the summer of 2021. So we got those tickets. We stuffed them in our kids' um, uh, Christmas stockings as a gift. And we fully anticipated that this, this fair was just going to be like the rest of them. And then come rolling around to fair week, and we, uh, like everybody else, uh, you're always trying to calibrate still. What type of activities are you going to engage with? Is it worth the risk? How many people are going to be at the fair? Are they going to have COVID on a stick there? Like, what, what's going to happen at this fair? So you're trying to figure it out. Uh, we decided uh, last minute to just go for it. And one of the things we we're concerned about is this is the, we went the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. So we just figured it was going to be crazy. It was going to be packed. And it still was not packed. The fair is running about 50% under attendance from uh, 2019. 2019 was a bit of a crazy year. It set all these uh, records and whatnot. But you could tell there wasn't as many people there. In fact, a lot of the food vendors are already talking about what are they going to do with all this food because they were anticipating about twice as many people that actually came. And uh, now they have all this extra food that they're not uh, able to sell. And so they're thinking about donating it to different charities so that it gets put to use somehow. But again, you walked around, the fair was different. Some of the stuff is the same. We still ate a lot of the same foods that we have every year. We got a big bucket of cheese curd and felt great with the first, like, you know, couple cheese curds. And as you get into three, four, five, six, seven of those things, you just start 
feeling miserable and you hate your life, right? I mean, we just did, we did all the things that, that people do at the fair and you experience, but then you look around, it was different. Uh, there were masks that were still going on and there were still, uh, there wasn't the, the life and the, the fullness of, uh, of what the fair usually is. And that's kind of where we're at right now, where uh, things are, are kind of going back to normal, but they're also not quite there yet. Um, so I'm at the point, and I don't know if you're like this too, that I'm, I'm done guessing uh, when this thing's going to be over, what the timing's going to be. I'm just, I'm just, I'm over it, and I'd rather pray a prayer like we find in Psalm 70. I want to look at verses 1 through 5 specifically where the psalmist says, Hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. But as for me, I am poor and needy. This is verse 5. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. The psalm is making an appeal to God for help and deliverance. There's this sense of urgency. You can see how he's repeating that phrase, come quickly, Lord, come quickly. It's a prayer against those who seek destruction, uh, and it's a prayer for those who are seeking the Lord. And that phrase, come quickly, shows that the person who is praying is ready for something to change right now. That's how I feel. I'm ready for something to change right now. I'm ready for it to go back to normal right now, but it's not happening. I remember this uh, article I read at the very, very beginning of, uh, like around the time that Tom Hanks got COVID, right? Around that time. And the article was highlighting how we should view uh, the, the years ahead, really, and not to look at this, the analogy he used, not to look at this time as that this is going to be a snow day, and it's not even going to be a winter, but this season of COVID was going to be more like a small ice age, that it was going to be a long and cold season, and it was going to take a long time for it to thaw out. And that's essentially what has happened and what it continues to happen. I think we might be at the very beginning of spring, where you can kind of see the end of this, uh, but we, it's like a Minnesota spring. You still get nailed with these random snowstorms in April, and that's what it kind of feels like right now as we start to see things go back to normal, but it's just not quite there yet. So we pray, Lord, deliver us, help us. We just want things to go back to normal. One of the things I was asking um, as I was thinking about this year and... Uh, what kind of theme should we center it ourselves on for this year as a church? Uh, I was asking a question that's related to this psalm. If we're asking God to deliver us, if we're asking for God's help, uh, wh what, do we help what, what are we asking him to do? Uh, if we're asking him to bring us out of the season, then where is he going to bring us? Uh, what is that new space? What is that new season? What's the feel of it? What are we asking him to do on the other side of deliverance? And that's what I want to unpack uh, today. Each year, if you're, if you're new to Trinity, and I know a lot of folks are, each year we pick a theme to try to capture our goals uh, for the ministry year ahead. Uh, in previous years, we had a theme of rooted with the main goal of trying to grow deeper roots into our neighborhoods and our campuses. We had a theme called rejoice, uh, which ended up being the year that I got cancer. Uh, if you remember that year, and it ended up being a, a season to learn how to rejoice through suffering. If you're brand new, I'm in remission. It was just a quick bout with the cans, and we'll, we'll see if we're in the season of seeing if it comes back or not, but right now I am in remission. That was rejoice. This last year, which has been one of the most difficult years we faced, we got off of the R theme, and the theme has been look up. 
It was a year where we could be looking down in despair because of everything going on, but we encouraged one another to look up. It was a presidential election year, so part of looking up meant stop looking left, stop looking right, but to look up primarily in a divisive election year. So that was this last ministry year. This year, the theme is going to be recharge, recharge. One of the ways that we uh, try to come up with a theme is I go on an annual planning retreat every year. This year I went south, not north, to my parents' uh, cabin and spent some time praying about what could this theme be and I was able to take this back to church leaders where they're able to speak into that theme, refine it. Uh, so I want to just share, like, how did I land on recharge? Why do I think that's a f- uh, fitting theme for this next ministry year? Well, one of the things I did at this planning retreat as I looked up a bunch of passages where, uh, especially in the Old Testament, there were plagues because this isn't the first time like a pandemic type of thing has happened in human history. In fact, uh, the Bible documents different times where there's great sickness in the land or there's great heartache and there's these kind of global catastrophic events that are happening. So I want to look at passages where that type of thing occurred and then what happened to God's people on the other side of it when God delivered them. One of those um, texts come from Psalm 71. This is verses 19 through 20. Your righteousness, O God, reaches to the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities. There's that word. There are some different translations will say something like the plague. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. And initially, I was centering in on that word revive. That was nearly the theme this year. But I don't think we're quite there yet. And uh, the reason I walked back maybe a step before revive, and this isn't, um, I mean, part of it's theology, but part of it was this just this silly illustration that I thought of with my uh, cordless drill that doesn't work at home. Uh, and it constantly needs to be revived, and what it means to be revived, it needs to start working again, doing what it's, it's supposed to be doing, right? Uh, but all, because it has a, a, a kind of a really old battery, it loses its charge, and I constantly, I probably can use it for an hour before it's just done. Uh, and uh, so before I can revive it, the first thing I need to do is recharge the battery. And then once the battery is recharged, I can put, put it back on that bad boy, that drill, and then get to work because now it's revived. And that's the sense that I had is in terms of the distinction. Like I want our church to experience this revival, this, this sense of like because we went through this experience of the last couple of years together, God will use it for good. And God will get us on the other side in a way that, that will reach new people for Jesus, that will reach new corners of our hearts and transform them in a way that wouldn't have happened with all the great challenges we have faced. But it seemed that before we get there, we also need to first experience a season of recharging before we revive. And that got me to a a very classic psalm that speaks of, um, I guess, the feeling, the themes that we're going for in this idea of recharging. Um, And it has a very similar feel to Psalm 71 where the Lord is leading us through calamities and a challenging season. 
uh, but the vibe is a little bit different. And this is from Psalm 23, which from the Psalm catalog has got to be the top hit, right? If this was Bob Dylan's catalog, it would be, it's like a Rolling Stone. That's, that's, the, that's the song that we're dealing with. That's the equivalent of Psalm 23. This is a big hit. It's one that you are very familiar with. But think about this theme, Recharge, as I read these verses. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. You could say he recharges my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now that's a scene where you can recharge a little bit. As the Lord leads us through the darkest valley, we have no fear because why? Because he is with us. That's why we can walk through that type of valley, because he is with us. And where are we going as the Lord is leading us to the other side of this valley of, a, of, of the shadow of death, of this darkest valley? Well, he's leading us to green pastures, quiet waters, a place to refresh and to recharge. And I always think, I mean, this is again, Minnesota culture. I don't really think of necessarily like a river or whatever. When I think about waters, I'm thinking like lake life. I'm thinking like you're on the North Shore, you're at one of the you know, 10,000 plus lakes in Minnesota. And it's just one of those weekends where the only goal is to enjoy that scenery, to enjoy the people that you love, that you went on that vacation with, to enjoy food, and laughter, and relaxing, and naps, quiet waters, green pastures. You are recharging in that moment. So this is a theme for this year. This is a season that I believe the Lord is calling our church to recharge, but maybe even next year's ministry theme might be revive. We will see. We can't get off these R's. We keep on coming back to the R themes. Now, if you understand the theme, what's that going to look like? What are the goals? What are the challenges that we are facing as a church? And I want to highlight five goals in the next part of the sermon uh, to get us all on the same page of kind of the unique year that we find ourselves in. So goal number one in this season of recharging is to connect new people. If you're here this morning, more than likely the people you are sitting by haven't been here uh, more than a couple months. Our church is very, very new. I mean, there's still some families that have stuck around, but like a lot of churches, not this isn't unique to our church, a lot of churches have been shook up. And I, I keep on imagining like it's like the snow globe or the, the, the church like in America, maybe even globally has been shaken up. And like all everything is still kind of settling. And as things settle, what that has meant is people have moved because of jobs, people have moved because they always wanted to live closer to family, whatever it is. So people have just been rearranging themselves. And so our church has experienced that too. But as folks have been called by the Lord to a different setting, so too people have been called to St. Paul for this season. People have been called here and you are leaning into this city church in this new season so you're not the only one if that's you that has experienced great deals of change in this last year maybe even relocating uh, to a new job to a new campus to a new experience to a new city you are not alone in this church a lot of people that are sitting by you right now 
has that experience. I would estimate that at least 33% of our church is brand new within this last year. It's amazing to me that when something like that happens, you want to see, like, is the Lord calling a new type of person to our church? Uh, and in a sense, uh, there's something that hasn't changed in terms of the type of person that continues to plug into this church. Uh, one, one type of person I have in mind is most of you are not Minnesotans. Most of you have come from a different state. Uh, and even if you are from Minnesota, you aren't uh, native to St. Paul. You have moved to the city. Maybe you lived in a rural setting or a suburban setting, but you are new to the city or you're even new to the state of Minnesota. So this, is, this has just been this wild ride of, of, of kind of gathering this church over the years because Minnesotans like me are in the minority here. There are not a lot of us. Most of the folks that are here are from elsewhere, and that continues to be true. In addition, uh, this community is a, a group of folks that didn't grow up here. This is also a group of folks that continue to have a passion and a heart to reach a city to dwell in the city, to live in the city, to uh, get a degree in the city, to work in the city, to, to live in one of the many urban neighborhoods here. And the, the folks that the Lord continues to draw here seem to be city-focused people. And as new people have come here, what are we trying to connect you to? And I want to go to Romans 12, 9 through 13. There are a lot of passages like this in the Bible. But when you come into a church community... This is what we're trying to accomplish, is some type of community like this. Romans 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual, uh, keep your spiritual fever. Uh, serve in the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is just one of those various passages that talked about what it's like to be connected to God's people, what it's like to be connected to a church. And if you're new to this city, new to these campuses, new to this neighborhood, this is exactly what you need in this moment where you're entering a new chapter is to be connected to a community that because of the power of the gospel has love as its focus, has devotion to one another as its focus, has the focus of trying to honor, encourage one another in the Lord. I mean, even just that phrase, that, that's one of those verses, and that's why I read this passage, that I've been dwelling and meditating on that verse, that sentence, honor one another above yourself. The ESV puts it this way, outdo one another in showing honor. So I think a lot of people are just malnourished in encouragement. They don't get a lot of it. You're, you're steeped, though, in discouragement and cynicism and criticism that's kind of what's happening in this cultural moment so to be connected to a community that's not driven by cynicism but encouragement and honor is a refreshing thing so when I think about all the new folks that are coming into Trinity my goal is to connect you to a local church yes but to connect you to this type of community because this is precisely what you need if you're starting a new chapter in your life and we're hoping to connect you uh, through various ways. If you're new, go to our website, download our, our church app on Church Center. We have a beta group, by the way, that's starting in uh, September. It will start next Monday, which is specifically designed for folks that are new to come there. And I'm going to lead this group. It's going to be three, three Mondays in a row. It's just going to be during the month of September. And, and basically what we're going to do is we're going to pray about and seek the Lord in terms of how can we connect you to the God's greater mission and purpose in this church. 
That's a big way that we are hoping to connect you uh, in the month ahead. Goal number two, we need to rebuild and build ministries and rhythms for a post-pandemic ministry. Uh, let me read you a text from Acts chapter 6, which will be a text that will help us with these next two goals. Acts chapter 6. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebrew Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men, men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So here's the situation in the early church that a problem came up. A new challenge came and they said, hey, new challenge, new ministry. We need to figure this out. We need to, we need to figure out how to minister to this new need in our midst, and that's the season we're in right now. This whatever we're still trying to figure out what does post-pandemic ministry look like. It's a bit of a moving target, and who knows? A year from now, it might look different than what we think it needs right now. But what we are dedicated uh, to, as a, a group of church leaders, as a congregation, is to figure out a ministry structure that ministers to you in the here and now. Before the pandemic, we had groups, we had ministries, and part of like even just trying to get into this new season of ministry is to get some of those ministries back at the level that they were before uh, 2020, that we used to have about 10 community groups. And we want to get that back to about that number by the end of this ministry year. We want to get our uh, ministries, kind of our basic ministries, up and running. Ministries of hospitality, AV, music team, the children's ministry uh, uh, up and running, youth ministry, international student ministry, even just the grounds ministry because that snow is coming and it needs to be removed. Like all this like basic stuff that we just need to get up and running. But yet, even as we consider those basic ministries that we just need to do to run a church, we're asking the question, what does our church need right now? What does our city need right now? Because things might have changed a bit in terms of how we should structure and do ministry because of what we all experienced in 2020 and 2021. And that's a big part of what it means to recharge. Is, uh, our battery might be about 50% right now, and part of getting it back to 100% is getting our basic ministries up and running again and then considering what else do we need for this historical moment. Goal number three is we need to develop new leaders. In that text I read, not only did they face this new challenge that needed a new ministry, they needed new leaders that they needed to develop and put in places of leadership in order to meet this goal and this need, this distribution of food in their case. We are in a similar spot right now as a church. We need new leaders to fill new needs. We already uh, have been making progress on that goal. We hired a new staff. Uh, position, a ministry associate part-time that's helping uh, on the staff front. We're about to call new deacons and deaconesses to lead various ministries here at the church. We're about to call uh, and need to call new elders and ministry team leaders. So what's happening right now is many of the people that have been around for a while but haven't been called to leadership, now is your moment. And we are tapping your shoulder and saying, hey, we think you can do this. We think you can lead. I know you haven't done this before, 
but you've been around for a while, you've been involved, you've been plugged in, now is your time because of the transition that we have seen. But it also means that some of you who are very, very new might be asked to join a team, maybe even lead, earlier than you feel comfortable with. And I guarantee that even if you don't end up settling in this church, whatever church God calls you to, it will be the same type of deal. You are going to be in a season where you are going to have to step up and lead and participate in a way that you might have not experienced in a local church community. Yet the way I think about this is in baseball terms. I think that we just, we just cleared out the dugout. We just got everybody that we needed in that dugout out on the field. Now the dugout's empty, and we're like, we need, to, we need to develop new leaders and train new leaders just to fill that up right now because if we lose more folks, if there's more transition ahead uh, because of these pandemic days, we need to be prepared for that. And so a big part of this ministry year of recharging is developing new leaders. Goal number four of five is we need to reach out to our neighbors and our campuses because there are people on our campuses and in our neighborhoods that also need to recharge. This is a season where it's not just about our church and our congregation seeking ways to recharge. You have neighbors living next to you. You have coworkers. You have classmates or people that you might be living with this season in a dorm, that they have been rocked by this pandemic and other things that have happened in the last couple of years, and they are done. They're just, they are beat, they're beat up, and they don't even know the first step of what it's gonna look like for them to try to get back to just feeling healthy again. And one of the things that you have access to is the gospel of Jesus Christ that provides hope, encouragement, and a calling for those folks. And you also have a community that you are being called to connect with that we also want this to be a place to connect our neighbors. They might not follow the Lord yet. They might be exploring Christianity, but nonetheless, they can benefit from the redemptive community that's here because this is going to be a place where they need to recharge and they can recharge and you can invite them into your communal life in Christ. Part of what this is going to mean is to reach out again and engage our, our campus communities around here. The students, the students have just had such a crazy last couple years. Online learning, back in, in learning, and what are the COVID policies going to be? And how It's been rough for students, and not only students that have grown up in the United States, but especially for international students. Just how complicated this got for them. And I have a special passion and heart and prayer life right now for students on these campuses. That's one of the reasons we planted here, brothers and sisters. Why this neighborhood that we started a church at 10, a little over 10 years ago was because the campuses are here and there are students here that need to recharge, they need to connect to the gospel, and we are committed to that in addition to your neighbors. Goal number five, we are committed to sharpening a distinctively Christian culture. This is more of like the other ones are, are pretty practical, tangible goals. This is the one that's a bit on the meta uh, scale of things. But let me explain what I mean by sharpening a distinctively Christian culture. Part of what I mean is what Trinity has been after historically, and you can hear it in our name. Our name is Trinity City Church. And part of the reason we named our church that uh, other than uh, my co-workers at Starbucks at the time who didn't go to church helped me name the church. Uh, that's a story for another time, but that's part of it. But the other part of it is the reason we landed on that name is that it communicates two things about our church. The Trinity part means that we are grounded 
in the historical global faith of Christianity. That when you attend and explore the Christian faith here, there will be no curveballs. What Christians have believed the last 2,000 years, what global Christians believe right now, that's where we're at. You read stuff like the Apostles' Creed, you pray the Lord's Prayer, you look at the ethical framework of the Ten Commandments, that's us. No surprises. What you believe Christians believe, that's where we're at in a global historical sense. Uh, and one of the things, by the way, that why we were so committed to that type of Christian community is as I got feedback from those that are on the outside of the Christian faith looking in, that's a type of community that feels safe to them. They don't want some weird, obscure community because to them that feels like a weird cult. Like what kind of new age stuff are you trying to do? Like if I want to explore the Christian faith, I want to know that it's actually Christian, that it stays in that stream of this global historic 2,000 year old faith that has transcended times and communities and centuries and generations and different ethnic groups and global cultures. That's what Trinity means, but we are a city church, which means that we are committed to being an urban church and to this ministry context that's incredibly diverse, progressive, and always changing because that's what cities are like. But the city ministry right now is something that has been challenging in a way that hasn't been the case the previous 10 years. City ministry used to be cool, right? And people looked at it as cool. We, we had a generation of people that, that started this church that grew up watching shows like Friends and Seinfeld, where it was like you got the vibe that you barely need a job to live in the city, right? Like, what, we didn't even know, like, what do those characters do for a living? I don't know, a coffee shop, apparently. And then you can buy, you know, an expensive condo in, in Manhattan. So we grew up with this vision of the city that it's, that it's hip. There's coffee houses and walkable places and music concerts, and all that stuff is still true of the city. Uh, but it seems that the city, and, and if you study histories of cities, in our city, Minneapolis, St. Paul is no different, that there are, are kind of these cycles where the city kind of hits its stride and it's everything that a good city should be, but then because of underlying issues of, of sin and injustices, things pop up that still need to be dealt with and things start to change and we're in one of those cycles right now. It's, it's almost like some people feel like, uh, you know, this is called the city of St. Paul, but back in the day it was called Pig's Eye. Uh, before they changed it to St. Paul, Pig's Eye was named after a lazy-eyed saloon owner, right? And some people feel like with city ministry, we're, we're going back uh, from St. Paul to Pig's Eye, that this kind of feels more like a Pig's Eye type of city than it does a St. Paul, a saintly city with all these great things to do. It's more challenging right now to be in the city. And because of that, a lot of Christians are, uh, and this is not just unique to our church, but a lot of churches have Christians now deciding what church they're going to settle in on, not based primarily on doctrine, but what is their posture towards the city? What is their posture towards culture? How are they going to engage pig's eye if it's not St. Paul anymore? That's kind of the way that they are thinking about it. Now, I'm just trying to describe it because I still think this is a very saintly city. I love my city, all right? But I do acknowledge that for some folks, this has been a challenging season of city ministry. So they are asking of a church, like, what is your posture towards city living and city culture with these unique challenges? And I'm going to highlight three different approaches that churches are taking to this new 
uh, challenging moment. Um, this comes from a couple different articles, but the way that I'm going to translate it into, is in, in, in the framework of hugs. Uh, so bear with me. Okay, there's three different types of hugs that really describes the types of different ministry approaches that churches are taking to urban ministry specifically. One is the full traditional hug. You fully embrace the city and nearly everything in it. So you approach the city and you're just like, yeah, come on in here and give it a big pat on the back and it's just this warm, full embrace. And, and that type of image has, and, and that type of engagement with the city has a positive outlook in terms of uh, you will be able to reach more people in your city if you embrace everything about the city uh, really, really well, and you will be able to embrace that and, and reach people uh, with that approach with very little tension because if you're giving them a full hug, you're also not critiquing a lot about it. You're not challenging enough. You might see some idols in your city, but you're kind of like minimizing that because, hey, this is a full hug. We're going to reach the city with that type of embrace. Uh, so the positive of that embrace is that you'll probably reach a lot of folks and have very little tension doing that. But the negative of that approach to um, reaching your city is that it's, it tends not to be distinctively Christian, that it tends to overemphasize the things that we can synchronize with the city, but then has a tendency to compromise the gospel as well, because there's aspects of the Christian faith, no matter what city you live in, no matter what country you might be trying to reach as a missionary, that there's going to be aspects of that culture, of the folks that you're trying to reach, that are going to be greatly challenged and offended by aspects of your faith that you can't avoid. So if you're going to do kind of the full hug, you kind of have to minimize those distinctively Christian aspects in order not to offend. So that's the full hug approach. The second approach, which is, which is the other bookend or the other ditch, I call it the shoulder tap approach. This is just like, hey, you're, you're okay. Like, you're not, not really, there's not much touch. I mean, maybe there might be even some folks in this approach that it's like almost the new, like, COVID handshake, which is more like a head nod, like, hey, don't get me sick. Just stay, stay away, right? That's kind of like, that's kind of the vibe that this type of approach has, that you, you look at your city and you see that it's broken and maybe a little bit hostile towards your faith. And your approach to that is that you need to withdraw and create a countercultural community that mainly preaches against the sins of your city. The benefit, the strength of that approach to city ministry is that it will take seriously the call to be a holy people that is distinct and different from the surrounding culture. That type of approach does that well. But the drawback of that approach is that it creates, it often creates too much of a us versus them with your neighbors and your, your coworkers and those that you go to class with. That it's us versus them and it's fairly combative. The other thing that tends to happen in this approach is that you are likely to easily acknowledge and see the sins of your neighbor, but sometimes fail to see that sometimes the church struggles with these very things and that the church is also called to repent and seek restoration. So it minimizes maybe sins within the covenant community and overemphasizes the sins out there, which is part of kind of that us versus them. Now the third approach, which again, you're not going to be surprised, this is the approach that I think we're called to take, 
And this is a classic Christian awkward side hug approach. Yeah, I remember those back in the COVID days, like you don't, you're kind of like grow up in a Christian community and you're like, I don't know, you're, you're not my wife, so I gotta have to kind of cut, hug you like this and you try to figure it out, like this is the awkward Christian side hug approach, right? And this approach to, again, using this illustration as approach to uh, city ministry is that you acknowledge that the city has idols, and that it's shot through with the reality of sin, but you also acknowledge that our church is as well, and we all need grace, and we all need the gospel. This approach says that we need to create a community that's distinctively Christian, yet one that both challenges and invites our neighbors to consider the gospel. The benefit of this type of side-hug approach means that it balances a distinctively Christian approach but understands that our context, our community, our neighbors, we're here because we are to reach them with the glorious gospel, not keep it to ourselves. The tension, and this is the drawback of this approach, and this, has, this is a significant challenge for churches like ours that are gonna take this approach to urban ministry, that it is going to bring significant tension with the other two approaches. So folks that might be here and they want more of the shoulder tap approach or more of the full embrace approach, they're not going to fully be at peace with the side hug because, because it's not quite one or the other, there's always going to be tension. There's always going to be critiques of this approach. One side will probably accuse the church of having these primitive ways of thinking about theology because it's grounded in historic and orthodox Christianity. Uh, but the other approach might even uh, accuse this approach of selling out to the gospel because you want to reach uh, your city. And that's going to have to be a tension that we brothers and sisters need to embrace in this historical moment because me and the church leaders believe that this is what God is calling Trinity City Church to do. Be a distinctively Christian community that is still called to reach our neighbors, our city, our coworkers, the campuses with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and invite them into that. Now, let me conclude with this. I referenced Psalm 23 uh, as kind of the scene, the, the, the type of description of what I mean uh, for ministry year to be called recharge. In Psalm 23, the shepherd is the one who's leading us and he's leading us to a place to recharge and the shepherd in that place of recharging becomes the host. So the, the picture is of the Lord as both shepherd and host. And in the New Testament, we see that Jesus is both. He is the great shepherd and he is the great host. And we need him for this moment that we are facing, this ministry year that we're facing. Jesus is the great shepherd. He provides, he guides, he comforts us. John 10, 11 through 15, Jesus teaches, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf come and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus also is the great host. He is the one who prepares a table for us now and forever. He says in John 14, 1 through 4, let not your hearts be troubled. That's such a soothing verse, isn't it? That sentence, brothers and sisters, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I would go prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, that you know the way to where I am going. And in this season of recharging, we need the Lord, the Lord Jesus, to continue to be our shepherd and our host as we're called into this season of recharging.